Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 260 for November 4th, 2020. My name is Phil Pinsky. With me, as always, is Tim Sway and that other guy. Of course, Reclaimed Audio is always brought to you by Klingspore's Woodworking Shop. Visit www.woodworkingshop.com where you could use one of three codes, including the Bill Lutz code, which is, I think, utilize, right? Utilize? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this week's top Patreon supporters are Lakeside Woodcrafter, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, Greg Mead, uh, sorry, Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, The Boys Over It, Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, Isotunes, Tim Holliner, and of course, Gangi and Pop Pop Makerspace. What are we working on, Bill Lutz? Well, you know, Utilize. I got to tell you, um, I actually threw out my back. Oh. Um, well, uh, t- here's, here's a weird thing. So I, I love getting older and finding these health weird things. Two weeks ago, I ended up going to the emergency room. This is before the our last episode um, with Klingspor. Um, I went to the emergency room because my stomach's got so cramped and bloated it, it, I mean, I had not been in that kind of pain before. I'm like, no, this is no joke. We got to go. I don't care if it's just a gas bubble. I want to find out for sure. So we called the advice nurse and everything. She said, yeah, with your history and the weird pains in your stomach and cavitational, go. So I went there, spent all day there, and, and they couldn't really figure it out. Um, gave me some morphine and all that was good. Um, and it, 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 it settled down to where now it's just like a weird... Um, I'm still feeling a little bloaty and crampy, but I, I got this weird taste in the So the gastroenterology, I'm gonna have to go check that out. They're gonna check out, make sure I don't have like a scratch in my stomach line here, an ulcer or something like that. I'm thinking maybe something like that, right? Okay, so that's fine. Well, a week later, and I go to work after that week, and then a week later, um, after the Klingspore episode last week, I went to work, on, I, I, my back was just killing me. When I got up from my chair in the garage after talking with you guys, it's like, oh man, this, this, something's going on here, right? And so on my, a little bit on my lower left side, I said, well, there's no kidney on that side, so I know that's not a problem. But anyway, so I, I figured I pulled my back out. Well, Sunday, I got really bad. Monday, I tried to go to work, and halfway through the day, I said, I got to go. I, I can't. It hurts so bad. So I called my doctor. She's like, yeah, yeah, you need to come in. So I came in. All the tests that they had ran for my stomach bloating uh, showed nothing scary. I mean, they looked at everything. There were CT scans, x-rays, um, all kinds of weird stuff. So I says, I think you just really pulled your back again. Here's some muscle relaxers. Take, you know, try and take some time off if you can. And I, I was able to, so I took the week off. I was like, man, and it hurt really bad. It was just I could, I was, I hate it because you're immobilized and you're weak and you can't do nothing. You're just no matter if you sit, you stand, whatever. It just yeah. hurts. Hurts no matter you go what. to the bathroom and it's like, please, dear Lord, let me be able to get back up. I mean, it's just that bad. Then by Thursday. It was okay. Friday, it was still bad, but it was it's getting better, I can tell. Saturday, it, it was good enough that 
I was able to go, I, I, I'm walking around, it felt good, and Casey's like, well, do you want to try riding the bike? Because that always loosens me up. I love riding the bicycle because it helps loosen up all my joints and stuff. I said, okay, we'll try that. So I did a bike run with Casey Saturday and Sunday, and today it's better enough to where I actually went to work. All that being said, so I didn't work on anything per se in the garage, but what I did do was the number two technological advance on my nine, no, 11-year-old iMac 27 inch with the three and a quarter inch hard drive. This thing's 11 years old. I bought the kit. I was able to pull the glass off, um, then pull the monitor out, then replace this thing. And you had to have it. There's an adapter frame to make the little two and a half inch SSD fit into where the three and a half inch hard drive would go. Do all, and it was different because it was older. And I'm thinking, okay, well, if, if it's just a little bit faster, because poor Casey, that's her computer, and she's got all of her tax stuff on there and all of her pictures and all of her resume, all kinds of, you know, it's just, it's full. It's a one terabyte, halfway full. And I'm like, okay, this is nine years old, though. It's not like the one I did in my garage is only, you know, three years old, and, I, and it's amazing when I upgraded that one. So I, I got it all together, and of course it took, it felt like a year to take stuff back off the, the actual, the old hard drive off of my, this Mac is where I transferred all the stuff for the time machine, right? So I, I did the swap out. Now I've got the old hard drive and I'm using that as a, as a outside, what do you call it? Hard drive. Backup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but it took forever, right? It finally got, I'm like, man, I hope this freaking works. I'm just, I don't know, you know, it's so fast. Mm. It is so fast. It's blowing me away. So I expected that from what I saw on the, the, the one in my garage, the one I'm on right now. But this 11-year-old computer to have done that upgrade, and it just works so well. Casey's like, yeah, we ain't spending no more money on computers ever again. You're just going to keep fixing them. I don't know. That's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I was just blown away by that. And I was able, you know, I, I could actually do that because I wasn't moving around too much. I could just sit down at the desk and get it done. But I'm, I'm simply blown away by this thing that I'm able to do for a pittance of what it would cost to buy a new computer, you know? And the, and the other one was so bad, I mean, like, it would freeze up all the time on her, you, you know? And, and mine out here in the garage that I'm using, it was, I was having a hard time connecting with you guys to, to do the podcast because it was just, it was, you know, giving me fits. So what an amazing concept to be able to work on your own stuff like that and again thanks to you guys gave me some confidence that i could do it um yeah and it's so that's what i did all by myself excellent that's awesome yeah that is really good it's and it's it's so good to get out of your comfort zone every once in a while and succeed because it doesn't always happen that way <laughs> yeah. you know and it's funny it's is i make a big deal out of the whole not my comfort zone with computers but it's not really a comfort thing is it's more of a i don't care thing i'm just not interested in it until i do it and now it's like oh wow that was really cool so i'm i'm wondering when the time comes for me to get a cnc or do some computer making type thing i know it's not going to be what i think it is it's not going to be this huge learning curve it's going to be dive into it make a few mistakes figure it out just like everybody else I watch does it. It's like, oh, I'm going to try this new thing. Like you, Tim. I mean, you were just like a little kid when you first got your CNC. It's like, oh, yeah. And now you're like, people come to you for advice now, right? Well, it's Yeah, it's one of those things that we, I, I think anybody like us that, that I mean, that thinks ahead, right? You know, you look at some new technology and you see what people can do with it and it's intimidating. But what you don't realize is the person that's doing all these amazing things, they started by first learning how to plug it in learning how to turn it on and then learning how to draw a circle and then learning how to cut a circle. You know what I mean? It's everybody has to do that. Some, maybe those first few, those steps might take you 
a week or two longer than someone else. Maybe you'll do them a week or two faster than someone else. But everybody had to do that. And then the more you do that, the more you know, and the next one's easier, and the next one's easier, you know. And so you just one step at a time. And we, I do that all the time. Like I, I always joke about when my, my wife said, let's have another kid, you know, before Vance was born. The first thing I said was, but there's not even a closet in that room. Like, you know, and then I realized, oh, if I build a closet, then there is. And then it's like, well, then <laughs> we need a crib. So you get a crib, you know. And then well, what happens when right. he's got to go to college? It's like, well, he's first he's got to learn to walk, you know, one step at a time. And you, and you can do anything. Well, that's what I was thinking. Me, me upgrading my computer or have a child. Same, same. Basically mm-hmm. the same. Basically mm-hmm. the same. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you think about it, yeah. a kid is the world's fastest supercomputer. Like they're just learning and, and retaining data. You know. But Not how are they so stupid, though? I mean, they can't <laughs> hold a hammer. They. Well, yeah, see, them they don't. A hard drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although Vance probably could have. <laughs> yeah, Vance probably could have showed probably. me a thing or two. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I was doing. Who, who's next? Who's next? Go ahead. It's uh, it's Tim. Tim's it's, next. M- it's me. Um, I yeah. I went to yeah because last week we we did that that fun Klingspore uh, live interview. So it feels like it's been two weeks since we did a podcast. Although we have we did have a podcast, but we haven't done this our bit, you know. Um, but right. So since uh, then, since we did that, I went to. Um, uh, Hogpen Hill Farms. Um, uh, a friend of mine. Now he's a friend. Someone that's been following me. And on, you slaughtered on, a pig for Christmas. No. Someone Congratulations, been, bud. <laughs> someone who's been following me and you know I've been communicating with on Instagram and stuff for years that I finally met in person is a, a super cool guy. Peter. He's a local, uh, you know, woodworker contractor kind of guy, uh, and he's been working for this artist named Edward Tuft. I think it was Edward. Last name's tough for sure. That's a he's a local guy that that just does these giant sculptures and stuff. And basically, he's um, he has other things that he does that he makes his money on and stuff. And he has this huge estate not too far from here that he's got all these ridic- like like ridiculous scale sculptures. Like one of them is a um, twenty three foot airstream, um, oh, thir- wow. thirty feet up in the air, oh. off the off of like a, a piece of uh, it looks like almost like a like a steel light post like you would have like on a street light, but it's obviously big enough to hold an airstream. It's like you know, five feet in diameter, and it gets skinnier as it goes up. At an angle, on a bias, there's like three of these. One has an airstream on it. One has like a rocket ship-looking thing. And then there's like all those like Stonehenge-type things on the property, where wow, like you can kind of walk around these like rock mazes, basically. Um, but they look to me, they're like all of the stuff is like much more interesting from a distance, for the most part. Like like there's a section of all these stainless steel sheets. Um, they're all like four by eight stainless steel, and they're kind of it's almost like a maze, but not really, and it's like out in a field, and like from a distance, it's just like a sight to behold because it looks like rocks. Like everything else around it is like these giant rock things, and then there's a stainless steel, right. like reflecting light and stuff. Really wild place. Um, yeah, and so Peter does a lot of that work. Um, like the artist guy, like you know, he has the idea, he draws it on paper, and then like you know, Peter's the one that like you know he cuts it out of plywood, and he he was saying like for that one the stainless steel thing, like they made it all out of wood first. And then they were had it on a sled that they dragged around the property to find just the right place where the light was going to hit it right and stuff before making it. A st- mm-hmm. Super like super interesting guy to meet. I know he listens to the podcast. Hey Pete, and um, and uh, it was just so cool and so inspiring to see someone working like on this scale. You know, I mean, like wow. on, a, on a scale of like acres. You know, like a hundred acres of land and. Well, putting a 23-foot airstream up in the air on a light pole is pretty incredible. I yeah. Mean, 
Yeah. I did it twice last week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, for, for us mortals, us mortals. Yeah. I yeah. mean, for other people, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> I could see um, that. Yeah, so it was a uh, it was it was pretty cool, and so I got to go there with my whole family, Maddie, Maddie, and Vance, and my wife, and um, we got to walk around there for a few hours. It was fantastic, and I, so I, thanks Peter for for that. Uh, it was it thank was, you uh, Peter for yeah, entertaining a, Tim. I love when Tim's in a good mood when he does a podcast. You don't know what he's like. Oh yeah, well, just just five minutes ago I was complaining about the M and M's in the bowl. There's too many red ones, but yeah, <laughs> um, it was in his rider. Yes, yes. Besides that, um, I haven't had too too much going on in the shop i am working on the seven string guitar um for that i cut on the maslow um and then i have another seven string guitar so looks like i'm gonna be starting soon i did the six string bass i was very proud of that video um that that's up live on my youtube channel where i went to my buddy's tape suit i think we talked about that last week um i was pretty proud of that uh today i made a sign for a guy it was just uh, my my buddy my buddy Brian that I got the last time I got a stash of like 30 holocore doors is from my buddy Brian who is uh he does um like flips houses you know he's a musician friend of mm-hmm. mine flips mm-hmm. houses on the side and he just texted me this morning he's like hey can you make a sign for my buddy housewarming gift and I was like yeah I was like that'll be fun I haven't done that in a while so I got to try some stuff on the CNC and do a little sign I just was cutting out today that was fun so I did something other than a guitar um that's awesome I mean cool man yeah and uh, yeah, I got firewood delivery coming tomorrow. I'm looking forward to stacking that. <laughs> Wait, don't you have a, a a Maddie in advance? Oh yeah, huh? Duh. <laughs> huh. <laughs> let let him earn some of that food money. Vance helped me a couple years ago. He was there that when it, when the firewood got delivered. He was a good. Well, helper. then he's got experience. He can he can supervise Maddie. I don't even need to be there. No, that's true. Yeah. You just you yeah. just point and grunt. <laughs> I was supposed to use the guitar truck this weekend and play with a band that I used to be in, like this. Uh, but it got rained out, so I was kind of bummed about that. That was kind of there might still be one more guitar truck getting event for this season that we're trying to put together. But um, yeah, I got rained out on that. And um, what else? Oh, we, I put it a. Um, I actually paid someone to do it though. I put an alarm system on the guitar truck finally. Um, Smart because. I was going to do it myself, and I was, like, shopping online. I wasn't quite sure, and there's a place, like, a mile up the road that does, like, car stereos and stuff. I was like, I'll go talk to them and maybe buy it from them instead of online, get a better idea of what I'm looking at. And then it was, like, $95 for them to install it. And I was like, oh, pfft. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll come back. So would you, have to have, <laughs> would you have to have, like, snow tires on that thing? Or it's so big you wouldn't need snow tires, right? For sure you, you need snow tires on that. No. I'm not, I don't need snow tires on that. It weighs 8,000 pounds. Yeah, I was gonna say. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, but you that's would. all in the front, like. Well, right. It's not all in the front, but it's it's a dually it's in the a, back. Yeah, right. so that's what I'm thinking. It's a dually. Mm-hmm. We have a two wheel drive dually uh, flatbed dump exactly truck what that it we is. use all the time, yeah. and I can go I can go in any kind of mud and pull people with four wheel drives out of the mud stuck with that yeah, dually. Yeah, but Something mud's about, not the same as snow. Yeah, he doesn't. Well, know I, you know, snow. I am not. I am yeah. talking out of my element here. Yeah, you know yeah. what? <clears throat> Wasn't uh, thinking of the the clean spore guy. If it's snowing, where am I going to be driving it? I'm not driving. uh, Cardigan, Carlisle. Who's that guy with clean spore that was going to have us down for the next extravaganza? Coleman. 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 So Coleman should start putting a few bucks away to get Tim some new tires for that road trip that we're planning. I don't think I need snow tires to go to South Carolina. Or North no, Carolina. but I'm trying also to get you some new tires, tickets, period, please. for the trip. Yeah. I got new tires on there. I put new tires on the truck when I bought it. 
um, yeah, four, but I know you. Them, you but. probably recycled them from some old school bus or something. No, that's the one thing I don't. I don't do that type of stuff with. Is the you figure this is something a mechanic told me when I was like very young that all your car doesn't matter how beautiful your car is or how much money you put into everything. There's only a patch of rubber about five inches square on four corners touching the ground. Put some money into that. That's the only part of your vehicle touching the ground. (laughs) I'm actually surprised you don't have this, but where I am, it's mandatory to have winter tires between December and March. Uh, No, it's not mandatory for us. We live in a free country, Phil. (laughs) We're we're a little further south. It's not mandatory. Um, It's recommended, of course. You know, but if you have an all-wheel drive vehicle right. and stuff, I mean, we're usually fine. Like, I'm not, I'm not driving this thing anywhere in the snow. Like, if it's snowing, I'm not. Because we were, it, this, uh, it's pretty recent. Like, I, you only, I, you, I've driven four-wheel drives forever. Like when I was 16, I had a Jeep, and I still drive a four-wheel. And uh, usually, all seasons were fine, but they still slip. Winters are amazing. Like during the winter, ironically. Anyways, let's move on from that. Um, what am I working on? You should finally ask. Yeah, what are you working I, on? Ah, there he is. <clears throat> so, um, I got my first, I did my first tire plug. My wife uh, thought it'd be funny to drive over a nail. <laughs> and uh, and then everybody I know texted and called me to tell me that my wife's tire was flat in the driveway. And I was like, yeah, I know, I'm at work, I'll be home to fix it. So, I, uh, I put it on the spare, and then I examined the tire. Turns out it was a nail. I pulled out the nail, I plugged it. And I, then I reinflated it and put it back on the the car, and you know, ten How'd bucks. How did that Pretty damn good. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Although I did have to learn a lesson real quick that it's not good to change a tire on an inclined driveway because that jack will fall over. Okay. So, did, it, yes, did it happen? Did it fall? That's something. Did it fall? No, no. I, it didn't. But I saw that it started to, so I just lowered it back again, and then I just drove the car down onto the street. Okay, good, good. Yeah, even even if you like, some people sometimes you can't help, and I've had to work on an incline on my cars. But you chalk all the tires. You put you put right. a wedge behind each of the tires. Right, I do. You it. know, yeah, I mean, you have to. And then once you jack it up, you put something underneath the car and take the jack off of it because the jack is not meant to hold your car up while you work on it. It's meant to just. You really, I mean, on an incline. Now, on a, on a flat street, you should still chalk your tires. You should still. Oh, I love this feature. Um, Tim, would you mind interrupting me right now, politely, to interject into our conversation? I just I just want to tell you a relevant anecdote. Um, I had my beloved 1979 Volvo um, 240 wagon that I, I drove for a bunch of years. It was like a beautiful car. It came from the West Coast, so it wasn't rusted out. And um, I'm driving home. And it had just turned winter, and I just put my snow tires on. This story is so relevant in so many ways. Mm. Because you needed snow tires on a two-wheel drive Volvo 240 in Connecticut. And so I, I rear wheel. Rear wheel, yeah. Right. So I so I yeah. just put my snow tires on that I'd had for a few years, and they'd been on a few cars over the years. I had them you know, mounted on some steel rims. And I'm driving home from work on the parkway. It's a car-only highway. And one of them blew. Um, they were getting older, you know. And, uh, and I was in the passing lane, of course, and it blew, and I had to pull over, and this is the Merritt Parkway in Connecticut, which has no um, breakdown lane to speak of. Yes, Bill. Well, I would like to interject with the... Um, this I hate is, this feature. 
Well, this is coming from the same guy that not five minutes ago told us how, oh, you got five square inches on the, you know, the, the one thing you don't cheap out on is the tires. But no, talk about your old nasty tire that blew up. Go ahead. This is, this is, see, this is very relevant in many ways. This is when I was much younger and I hadn't learned oh. that lesson yet. Oh. Um, so I, I had to pull over to the side of the highway. There's very little breakdown lane and, um, and I, you know, it was like I had the spare tire, and you know, I was gonna, it was on. For, fortunately, it was on the passenger side of the vehicle, so I was over on the breakdown lane, you know. And the breakdown lane wasn't wide enough for the car, so I was actually kind of teetering over the edge a little bit in the mud. It was a light dusting of snow on the ground. It was like this time of year. It was wet and cold out, and I had the jack under there, and I jacked the car up. And every time these giant SUVs would go driving by, my car would wobble a little in the wake of the wind. Um, and so, she, you know, and I'm just like rushing because I knew this was all sketchy and I'm rushing to get it done. And sure enough, a bunch of, you know, uh, SUVs go by, Suburbans or whatever go by. And, uh, and I see the car starting to fall off the jack and I had no wheel on it. And I had the spare I was going to put on and I had the one that was blown. And I managed to grab the blown one and just shove it underneath the car just in time, right underneath the, the disc just in time as the boom it came down off the jack and fell onto this wow. onto this and then Indiana i was able to jones over here then i was able yeah. to you know wind the jack down and securely get it up and get the tire on and get back on my way and i was covered in mud and swearing and cursing and driving home i got new tires and i said i will never ever drive on inferior tires again this is where that comes from okay now it makes sense now it makes sense the only thing i would add to that story is right at the part where you talked about all the mud and the fresh dusting of snow because the descriptiveness of that story made it really good but if you could just add especially because of the time of the year um, with all the mud on the ground you know i just had a fresh dusting of snow and the smell of pine on the cinnamon wreath on the neighbor's door because that would give that final element to it was still more pumpkin spice season we weren't quite up to cinnamon wreath (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So something like that. I just because I can. Are see we pitching uh, tire companies to sponsor the show? Is that what's going on? <laughs> doesn't doesn't Klingspor hey, make tires? If, Did I get that wrong? I was gonna say, um, what's the <laughs> other might. two guys at Klingspor? Mark and uh, Chad. Do they have any tires? They have wheelbarrow tires. Mike right and there. Chris. Yeah, I don't. Think oh, Mike they and Chris. Have, yeah, yeah, yeah. They might have wheelbarrow tires. No, yeah, that, that probably would have been fine for that two forty DL. It fit my new truck. That's for sure. <laughs> 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 anyway, sorry to, sorry to interrupt, Phil. Please continue. No, that's all right. So I, I got some uh, little mechanics. Actually, it was fun because uh, I had um, I just randomly got this little adapter that fits my uh, my impact driver and takes it to a half inch for a socket set. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have to use, you know, the crappy socket thingy that comes with the car to yeah. use the jack. So I got to just use my impact wrench, which is a lot more fun. Um, anyway, so that was one adventure. And then... Um, and then two weeks ago, actually, when we were doing the Klingsport thing, I was talking about getting a Commodore 64, right? Mm, this old yes. vintage computer. So I picked one up. So I, I, uh, I met some guy outside and picked it up, and I got a, the computer and the monitor, and that's all it came with, and I got it for 100 bucks, which is a very good deal. However, the monitor currently doesn't work, so I'm going to have to open it up and fix it, which is half the fun of these things. And uh, the, the computer itself didn't come with a power adapter, and it didn't come with the video cable. The video cable I can make out of parts, that's fine. But the power adapter uses 5-volt DC and 9-volt AC. Oh, so wow. that's why when Tim was talking about that transformer that he worked Yeah. So huh. it goes, so 9-volt AC is a reference voltage 
for some of the internal clocks. So it, it's a weird right, 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 1983 right. technology. Yeah. So um, so when you were talking on Facebook that you were trying to buy a transformer to to get like lower voltage right. AC for something. And I chimed in. Ah, I actually just got one of these on AliExpress. I'm sure you thought I was just kidding, but I really did buy one on AliExpress. So that's going to go into a power you. supply I'm yeah. going to fabricate. I believed you. I just didn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So like of all I, the so things I, Phil's going to lie about, that's yeah. not one of them. That's not going to be it, yeah. yeah. Well, I know, um, I know so that you're did, tinkering, so. you know, with electronics, and that's like your new thing. Yeah. You know? I'm super into it. Like, I've, I've watched, like, and... Um, the you know the the polish of the seven to nine minute uh, woodworking video has not come to the Commodore sixty four community. They, <laughs> are, they are currently like fifty minute long like yeah. repair videos taken with an overhead camera and just at the circuit board and the guy talks. It's very dry, but I will watch two of these back to back and fall asleep. Like I am so into this right now. Right, right. Like I know all the chips. On the computer, I can identify them by sight, by number. Like I'm super into it. Um, so anyway, so I'm looking forward to this as being like a long adventure because these ship times. I'm excited now. Are trying to take, yeah, it's gonna be really cool. And so I need in my electronics bench downstairs. I this is where I want to keep this computer, um, but there's not room for it. So I'm making an L portion of the desk. So I have an old um, desktop that I had made for a YouTube video that I'd done. It was called like. Uh, cheap and dirty desk or whatever. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'd glued up a bunch of two by fours together and it looks like a wave because it had moved a lot. So I'm going to uh, chop it down into five and a half inch, uh, I'm gonna rip it, five and a half inch sections. And then now that I have my jointer, I'll joint them properly and I'll make a nice clean desktop and stain it black probably and make an L portion of that desk downstairs. and. I'm going to use some old fence slats to put up against uh, the backdrop of it, so that'll be cool. And uh, and so that's what I've been up to. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So very excited. I, li- I like like I like when different passions sort of come together. Is there mm-hmm. is there an end game for the Commodore 64? Like, what's the goal here? To a get it running. Yeah. And then B, what, play horrible video games on it? Or, <laughs> like, that's what I don't... So, I I definitely want to play, like, earlier games. Like, I always liked, like, role-playing games and stuff. So, yeah. like, the Ultima games, and I never really got to play them as a kid. Like, really, for me, this is about something I never had as a kid. Yeah. And always wanted, like... And there's other people a... doing this, you said, right? So, it's not like you by uh, yourself wishing you had no. somebody to play with. Mm. No, it's a huge community of people. Okay. And, like, these are single-player games, mind you, but... Um, you can actually get these things to dial up to BBSs that still exist for it and play games like Trade Wars 2002, Legend of the Red Dragon. I don't know if these mean anything to you, but like no. these were cool. Like These were like the first multiplayer online games. You I do remember that era. Time to play them. Well, like War Games, that was it the was, whole premise of that movie was he, like, you know, he contacted his computer and he thought he was playing a game with it, but it was real, right? Yeah, so that was an AI, right? So that was yeah. like, it, it was, inter- it was interactive. But he didn't first- know that. Yeah. Or, or whatever. No, he, yeah, he thought he was playing a game. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so that was an old movie with uh, Matthew Broderick. But yeah. Tim, anyway, somebody so might be uh, watching movies upstairs. Where? Oh, Tim's house, you mean? Yeah. Wow, did yeah. I freeze? You dropped down to about uh, 240p over there. Oh, that's perfect. That's my look. That We're talking Commodore, right? <laughs> yeah. <that's true. laughs> um,. And what is the other thing I want to do? Yeah, so yeah, I want to get it up and running to play old games and to um, 
and to really I want to show my kids like what computers were like where it came from like they take for granted like what it is now they they you know they each have an iPad which is like a supercomputer compared to what the room full of computers that right. launched us to the moon you know what I mean like no yeah absolutely they, we, yeah. the computing power of the original Game Boy was more than what it took to get man to the moon. Right. Yeah, they, like, it's like think a, about that. It's crazy. Yeah, it, blows, it was like 512 megabytes of computing power or something like that on the on the entire like NASA program that got us to the moon. It was some. It was like less it was than a eight megahertz. Right. It was like a calculator. It, yeah. You know, it's crazy. It was yeah. It was a glorified abacus. But yes. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of calculations were done like manually. Like people did manual calculations, like stacks of papers to do calculations for orbits and. Well, you know, even in like in World War Two, I was just watching a World War Two ship movie, you know, and like they have the radar, which is like this huge, you know, innovation. And then like there's like a guy with like a chalkboard and a pencil, you know, or like you know, like a, they had like a whiteboard, basically like a piece of glass they were right on, and they were just figuring out like whether they're gonna die or not, basically. <laughs> like yeah. is that is that missile gonna hit us? Is that you know torpedo gonna hit us? And which way do we turn? Yeah. Oh, submarines, and, yes, yeah, submarines, in like real time, they're like figuring out with a pencil. And then, there, like, there's always a story of, like, the the, pilot, the the flight mission where they have to figure out whether they have enough gas to finish the route or turn around. The guy, it's just, I don't even understand that. We're so, we got it so easy. <laughs> well, the submarine stuff is interesting, right? Because if they'll do some kind of, if they'll do a maneuver in a trench, right? So they know at a certain speed how many seconds it should take until they get to the next turn or whatever. So they're literally doing this blind. They're using a stopwatch and they're, like, following instructions. Like, so... At mark, you know, in T minus eight yeah. seconds, you're gonna make a 30 degree right, you know, half rudder. So it's like crazy. But I have an interesting story for you. Um, the old, the old adage, the old wives' tale of eat your carrots, right? Carrots are good for your eyes, right? Mm. Well, where did, where did that even come up from? Because it's not true. Eating carrots does not make your eyesight better. But it was propaganda that the British put out to cover up the fact that they had radar. They didn't want the Germans to know that they had this technology, so instead they wanted people to think that they just had really good vision and they could sight the planes further than the Germans could. <laughs> no kidding, I didn't know that one. Yeah, that's awesome. I know, I know that they had they hid radar technology for as long as they could, and they also when they when right. they cracked codes because they cracked that that code. Yeah. I, it was a, uh, what was the scientist's name that did it? Um, the, well, it was Turing. But it was, Turing, uh, yeah. but it was the Enigma machine that he right cracked. the Enigma machine. They cracked the Enigma code, but then they had to like yeah. still lose battles because they didn't want it to know that they're like they're just like waiting for the big score every time they you know yeah so weird people people died to keep that secret yeah it? yeah yeah but you know the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Hey, this is one. one heck of a segue into our topic, I think. Is it? What's our topic? Yeah. What is our topic? Uh, I didn't type it in, Bill. Why don't you tell us what our topic is? Well, when we're talking about cracking codes and carrots, um, we think about dressing for success. And what do we mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I mean by dressing for success... Smooth. It's how do you how do you put your best foot forward when you made something for somebody, it's paid for, the project is done, and you're not quite sure if this person is going to get their money. And what kind of attitude do you need to have? What can you do physically to 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 pretty this thing up how are you going to present yourself presenting this done product to make sure that person looks at it and doesn't see your trepidation of oh no this thing sucks they're going to look at it and say oh wow this is beautiful thank you so much so we thought we have a little 
couple of tips and tricks maybe that you can do because I think a lot of it is psychological and I'll start with that, right? It's like if you're thinking that something doesn't look good, nobody's going to think it looks good. So you got to tell yourself, I've made this thing, it's paid for. The client doesn't know anything that I know about it. He's not going to and we've talked about this like, you know, people aren't going to see the things that you will see that you're not happy with. So you start telling yourself, this is amazing. You go show show your buddy, say, "Hey man, check this out. I just got done with this project. I'm going to go deliver it. What do you think about this? Did you notice how great this thing looks?" Start off like that, and the first thing they're going to say is, "Oh yeah, that looks pretty good." If only to be polite. But now you've heard one person say this looks great. And you go, you know what I mean? You psych yourself up so when you get to the point where you're handing this to somebody, it's not with the idea that I'm giving you something inferior, you paid too much money, I'm screwing you over. In your mind you're saying, "You know what? I worked hard. This thing came out great. It's a solid build, man. You're welcome." You know, it's that I mental add attitude. To that. I'll add to that by saying you may not think it's that great because for a few reasons. One, we're very, very critical of ourselves. Absolutely. Like like guilty as charged. <laughs> I am super critical of my work. Um, but the other thing that I think we do is we discount our time so much. You'll look at it and you'll go, wow, that's only about 20 bucks in materials and I'm charging them $400. Ah, it's not worth it. What am I thinking? Then you realize, okay, well, I spent the last 10 years developing this skill set. I spent 15 hours building this thing. And then you realize, uh, holy crap, I'm actually undercharging them at $400 for this thing. So I think it's important to understand your own journey, uh, the skill set you've developed, its value, and the time you've literally spent building this thing, even if sort of that's already in the rearview mirror for you and you, you have a hard time remembering the fact that you spent a dozen hours on a box, that's worth something significant. Well, I, I think that's a long-term thing to, to, to come up with. But Phil, you just said it, right? You just got done making something. Now you're doubting yourself because you're hypercritical. You're not going to remember all the time and effort you put into it and the skill set you've learned over the last 20 years. What have you done to, to make a product present better to make somebody feel like they got their money's worth? More coats of finish. That's your trick? And if it is, I mean, like, you go with that. I find, I find that, like, you know, at the beginning of my sort of woodworking career, I put one coat of finish on there, maybe two, you know what I mean? Like, to really gussy it up. But if you want it to look like it's pro, like it's next level, like it's store-bought even or just professionally done, three, four, five coats of finish on there is going to make it look like it is that's that's actually a really good tip a lot of people don't know that if you want something to look better put more finish on it that's a simple and it's absolutely true sand finish sand finish do five six seven coats and like you said it's going to look like it's got that really thick beautiful gloss time that alone that that's genius i love that tip i love that Mm. thanks thank you tim tim what's your tip for making something look Pro. I want. I kind of wanted to just step back a second to like what Bill was talking about, though, with the, um, you know, like the time that goes into it and the value and stuff. Which, which do you prefer? Do you prefer the feeling of when you finish something and you're about to deliver it, where you think like, you know, like man, I I should have charged them more, or do you prefer it when it's like the other way around, like man, I didn't charge them enough. Oh wait, well, that's the same one. That. But you know what I, you know what I mean, though. I said it wrong. No, no, I, I get it. Of yeah. course, I think the goal is is to feel like, like that think, they're like, getting a deal, right? Enough. That this that's going to make so you. Good. I didn't charge. <clears> enough. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't that's like the that attitude. That's the like attitude that you want. No, I don't like that feeling. 
I don't want to feel like I'm being ripped off. Like, by no means am I trying to rip anybody off, but the last person I want to rip off is me. Well, so there's that balance there. It's not like you want to feel like you've ripped yourself off, but you want to feel like you are, you're, you have made something that they are getting their money's worth, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to feel, wow, I did a great job for them. I never want to feel like, I, I actually really don't like the feeling of, man, I didn't charge enough because then I start to resent the customer. I resent myself for not valuing myself more, for not negotiating properly. I'd much rather go into it going, you know what? I did a great job on this and the money was good. Okay, so that's what happened. You just delivered something. You're like, man, I totally undercharged this job. I have a hard time negotiating. I need to start asking more. My time is worth a lot. I put a lot of time and effort and energy into in the years of skills that I've built. So when you go to bid a job, what's something you can do maybe that's going to up your game a little bit there? That's going to make you, and this is where I think where the dress for success thing comes in. Um, instead of showing up uh, in your in your work truck, right, with your lumber sticking out of the back and you're wearing your shop clothes maybe you don't do that i said maybe you take the maybe you take the wife's car your minivan or your other car whatever i'm saying take something nicer not a truck take your car put on some nice clothes some fresh jeans some shiny boots um come in with a a a leather you feel better about yourself you're presenting that part you are now you are now the spokesperson for phil pinsky or tim sway limited or whatever you guys call yourselves right so show up looking I, like that. I call myself Phil Pinsky Limited. That's what I call myself. <laughs> That's a great name. Good exactly. for you. I don't it's think you should thing. limit yourself by calling yourself Phil Pinsky. Oh, I'm um, just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, to play devil's advocate to that, I, I agree with you on that. But then there's also sometimes when people are shopping handmade and custom, it's like they're, they're paying for an experience. And one of the things that I've done, and I, I'm always toying with this and airing, on one side or the other is um, is that people are buying the experience and they're buying a character as well. And so if you show up in a suit and tie, that's not the character that they expected to make well, the hand tuned dining table. That's a little farther table. than I, what I was saying. Right. So, but if you show up in your wife's car, it's still like they might want that to see. Like people used to love my old yellow truck. They loved the fact that I showed up in this rusty old yellow truck. That was like part of the experience. You know what I mean? So like there, there's I something to be said for that case, too. Okay, a classic '73 Chevy is is different from a '94 Ford that's got a dent in the side of it. It still runs great. The paint's peeling off. That's not the image you want to present, though. And if you want them to have an experience, then go bid the job, look good, bring your wife's car. You don't have to wear a suit, but look like uh, Al from Tim the Toolman, right? Al always looked like he was just spiffy in the shop, right? He was spiffy. Yeah, see what I'm saying? Al. You show yeah. up and do that, but then Al. invite them to your shop when you are wearing the clothes. Give them that experience because that's going to up the game too. Let them mm-hmm. let them spend ten minutes while you sh- you know say, oh excuse me, and make sure the shop has got sawdust everywhere and your tools are. You know what I'm saying? So you can sell an experience with them as well, unless obviously yeah. if you're selling something to somebody across the country. Yeah, yeah. So well, that- I can't really speak to the showing up to the job site looking a certain way because that's never. The way I've done any business in the woodworking side of things, but so I'll give you the online version of that because that's the only way I've ever sold Absolutely. anything. Absolutely, that's, that's a good tip. So either through Etsy or other social media, the number one thing is take great pictures. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like either either use your phone and hopefully you've got something decent like an iPhone 10 or better that has like some of these better phone cameras on them. Mm-hmm. If you're still rocking an iPhone 4. Great phone, no problem. Just 
don't think that you're going to be taking any world-class pictures with this thing, get yourself like an old Canon power shot or something for 50 or 75 bucks. But take good pictures of your stuff and take a lot of them, right? Mm. So a lot of the success that I've had, this is sort of not exactly on topic, but a lot of the success that I've had on uh, Craigslist and Kijiji and stuff like buying tools, flipping tools, I'll buy tools that I know are good from people who take crappy pictures because nobody else is going to be bidding against me on these things. And then when I've, let's say, uh, had my fill of this tool or I'm upgrading it or whatever the case may be uh, because I want to buy something better, I will clean it up because the last person didn't. I will clean it up. I will take five great pictures from different angles so you can see the reflection off the surface of this cast iron whatever. And then I will sell it for double, if not more, than what I originally paid. And it didn't require that much work. So if you're selling your own stuff, take great pictures. I remember I, uh, there was this uh, chessboard that I made for my kids. And uh, out of some wood that Tim gave me, this chestnut. And it was gorgeous and I loved it. And I just took some, and I made the chess pieces also. And I took some pictures just to post on social media because I was trying to grow my Instagram at the time. And I really, this was not for sale at all. But I took really good pictures of it. Within half an hour, somebody offered me 250 bucks for it. Right. And I was like, I guess I probably should sell it. It's $250, and I could probably make another one. So I sold it. But the pictures sold it. Just like, you know, uh, exactly what Bill's talking about. You know, your, your wife's, uh, you know, gray station wagon is going to be nicer than your 94 uh, Bronco or whatever. Yeah, I, I would also say on the picture thing, if you don't think you can take the pictures, I promise you, you know somebody who would love to take them for you. I, my niece, Just off the top of my head, my niece loves, to, she's into photography now, right? So mm-hmm. I, I can call her up and say, hey, could you come over? She'll bring the whole DLSR, X, whatever you call those things, and, and do something like that. So if you don't think right. you can do it, I, one of your friends will, I promise you. Everybody's taking amazing pictures now because everybody's got great cameras and phones and everything else. So just you know keep what that in mind. You know what the interesting is? Get somebody who knows how to take a picture, right? Yeah. And then have them, um, like, have an area of your shop where you take the pictures and put an X with some masking tape on the floor for, like, four or five different angles. And then that way you know, okay, I stand here for one angle mm-hmm. and then go somewhere else. I stand here for this angle and I go, you know what I mean? So that you've kind of right. created, like, a little designated shots that you take that every time for whatever it is that you've made. Mm. I like you have it. somebody templated out for you, basically. One of the things that I've been doing is because you know my shop is very cluttered and messy and reclaimed and stuff, and I I used to like having that in the background, like I was saying about the experience, right? I liked that that like sort of like on the ta- table saw picture of things with the the wrenches, but I've I've decided that that's not how I want to do it anymore. Yeah. I want to go up. It's feel like it's been played out, you know. So um, I hang a sheet with two clips from the beam of my ceiling, and I'll just hang a white sheet up. And sometimes, like, and then I also actually got a, um, a, a projector, sl- like, you know, roll-down projector screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My buddy gave the me projector from... Projector stand, yeah. Yeah, well, it's the kind that you'd hang on a wall and pull down, like, in a classroom. And I have that... Oh, okay, yeah, I yeah. have that up in my, my ceiling, and so I can pull it down. It's black on one side and white on the other. Just pull that down for, for smaller things. I can put them right in front of that. And now I have a background... Yes, you know what? I actually have one of those green screen uh, sheets, too. Maddie had bought it years and years <coughs> so ago. I'm showing the boys here. This was um, a $20 green screen piece of material that I got off Amazon. And what's holding it up there is an old shower curtain rod. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like a, it's two whatever, I guess, stainless pieces. One slots into the next, so it's fully expandable. It's not all the way. And 
two pieces of like metal strapping or what hold it up and then into two anchors into the drywall and uh, that's what I'm doing with my green screen. I like to do stuff with my kids on the green screen and we're maybe experimenting with video for other things. The There's a um, uh, green screen plug. Is... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say uh, real quick for taking pictures too. Check out Mitchell Dillman did some videos on how to take pictures a while back and it's really good. Um, just some real simple things on how to use a, a little white backdrop, some different ways to put lighting and stuff. And he shows you, look at this thing. It's okay. Now watch this. And he takes a picture of it and then shows the picture on the video. It's like, look at the difference. Just from the, the lighting, how to mute it and that. So check out some Mitchell Dillman, uh, how to take some picture videos back in the day. I would, I'm sure uh, Mitchell does a great job, but I would also suggest taking a look at, there's like a million really good photography and video YouTube channels out there. And they spend like a ton of time showing you how to take incredible pictures with that. very little money. Very little money. You can get like $70 soft boxes off Amazon mm. and it will take your pictures from like garbage to incredible in a second. It's on so my list to up upgrade that. Why, why do you have a green screen over there, Phil? Um, Zoom calls. Uh. Zoom calls and... Uh, and like I said, I like to do fun stuff with the kids. I like to we make like these fun videos and stuff, and I put them like in funny situations. Like I, for one of my uh, my son had a friend's birthday, and we couldn't go to the party, right? So we did this video, and they all love Minecraft. So I put Jake into Minecraft. Mm. So he did a birthday video from from Minecraft. Cool. He was like walking around, and it was fun. That's cool. I, I never saw any use for the green screen in my business because they are tricky to get the lighting right to make it look professional. You know, like for for messing around with kids and stuff. It. Yeah, what's what's your trick? The trick to it is is you have to light yourself, yeah. and behind you you also have to light the green screen right. so that there is no so shadow. Otherwise, you You're not shadow. A shadow. Yeah, yeah. But I got to tell you, the tech right now is so good. Yeah, it's much better than even three years ago. Yeah, for green screen, like it's just so good now. <clears throat> Didn't you have a non-tech idea to present something, uh, a whiskey box you said that it was like, it was okay, but the guy was paying money for it, so you, didn't you package it a certain way to make it? Yeah, so that, that brings up another fantastic point, good segue, Bill. Um, you know, what are other value-add things that you can bring to the product? So, you know, yeah, there's the box. You could, and Bill brought this point before, you know, you could package it nicer. You could put it in a, some kind of a presentation box. What I did with my whiskey boxes was that I, um, I included uh, hand plane shavings and I put it into the compartment where you would lay down a bottle. So it really, first of all, as you open this thing up, you've got that nice pine smell because I always use mm -hmm. pine shavings because they're softer or whatever. And, uh, and so there's, there's the, uh, the multi-sense experience. You're smelling it. You feel these things are very soft to the touch. It's a, there's a surprise element. Whenever you can surprise somebody or delight someone with something they weren't expecting, that takes the experience from like a two to an eight right away. Mm -hmm. um, so how can you add just a small touch to something that you're presenting um, that doesn't cost you very much, but then delights the customer? It's all about delighting them. So Apple is a master of that, for example, with their packaging, right? Mm -hmm. You open up a, a new Apple phone. It opens a box. You know, the, the, as you pull it apart, it's a friction fit box. There's like this vacuum sort of, <laughs> as you take it off, you know, everything has a perfect, it sits nicely, a little plastic, you peel it back and it's beautifully clean. Pull it out, everything's packaged perfectly. So 
what are they doing? They're giving you a phone, some headphones, and a charger at the end of the day, right? But they've put it and presented it in such a way that it just delights all of your – you even smell like the – it almost smells like that 3M scotch glue that they use. And you're like, oh, that's, del- that's amazing. You know, like everything about it is this sensory uh, experience where you're just like, wow. You know, and, 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 and you get to do it once in the life of your phone. And, and so it makes you, like, want to do it again in three years when you buy your next one. You're like, oh, wow, that was a great experience. I would love to do that again. What are they mm-hmm. going to do this time? Oh, yeah, they don't ex- include a charger or headphones in the night ones. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> stop, 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 stop right there. Tim, you've got something to say. I can see it on your head. Yeah, it's, it's a struggle that I've had since the beginning of my business because, you know, being on brand and trying to, you know, create this experience of, of you know being eco-conscious and, and reclaiming yourself that means that packing is like material and it's like recyclable materials and it's waste materials. so it's always like this this kind of issue for me like i would love to go out and buy you know perfectly fit cardboard boxes and create like some type of sensory experience like that but at the same time i feel like it's wasteful when i have literally piles and piles and piles of cardboard and, and packing material that comes to me from other people that I want to use again before I recycle it or throw it away, you know? So, but at the same time, like, I remember my wife used to tell me all the time about how horrible my packages looked like eight years ago when I was selling stuff on Etsy. And I, and I would tell her, I was like, well, it's part of the, it's part of the experience. It's, they're, they're shopping reclaimed. And she's like, she's like, I get it, but it's, it's just not good. It's not good enough. You know what I mean? And so I've been trying to work on that and you know like i don't save like every like there's all sorts of like writing all over the cardboard boxes i might not save those i do a lot of making my own boxes where i cut them um but I, you know i try to i'm a little more selective i do recycle more of the stuff now and use use stuff more sparingly but one of the things i did that was a very simple easy way to to make these packages look better instantly is i created a two foot long stencil that just says my that has my new perspective music logo and i spray paint it in two colors on the box so no matter if the box is all like four different types of cardboard all taped together and stuff it has now all of a sudden it has some branding and has some continuity on it just like that you know oh that's so, smart and then the other yeah. the other thing i do sometimes is that um making boxes you know from cardboard is is not necessarily the neatest looking thing in the world like i said i've, I've gotten better at it over time you know cutting big boxes into smaller boxes and stuff but uh sometimes i just make a crate out of some scrap two by four and some mm-hmm. hollow core doors. And now it's like, and I do the same thing with the logo and I screw it together and then I tape that up and I'll send out a wooden crate for some items like guitars sometimes. Right, right. Um, because That's kind of a neat of experience. Sudden, you get a right, wooden crate. Yeah. Now I need, a, I need a screwdriver to get my guitar out, you know, and it does. it's almost faster to make a wooden crate than a cardboard box. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> sure I know, I know. It costs you a couple extra bucks, you know, in shipping because of the weight, it, you know, weighs a pound more. So you might spend a few more bucks on shipping, but you know it's going to get there safe. Yeah, you know, and the experience one, is better for the client. Yeah. One one thing that we talked about the pictures, what I've done in the fa- past too. I know Tim, you used to try and make. You said you started doing videos to give along with what you made to show them. What I've done in the past is I take three pictures of what I've made right at the beginning. Here's the raw material in the middle of the project when it's about halfway done, and then one glamour shot at the end. So when I deliver the, you know, if it's a coffee table or whatever, it's like, hey, here's some here's some process shots too. I thought you might enjoy these. People dig that. They absolutely love that i mean it's like they weren't expecting it look you mean you took that palette and you made this beautiful coffee table you know what i'm saying or, or whatever it was you used well three pictures was, yeah. that's all it takes 
that was why I started <clears> making videos is I wanted to get beyond those three pictures. And the, the, the whole reason that, I mean, we're even doing this podcast today is because I started making videos because I thought that those would be my viewers. You know, it was, it was, I was right. making them for the people that were buying the thing because it, like we were saying earlier about that experience of walking into the shop with the dusty guy, I was making that for them, you know, online, you know. Well, you, you may not know this. It might be the whole reason you're doing the podcast today, but Phil and I were going to do the podcast anyway. Mm-hmm. We're just glad you came along. I'm just, oh, Thanks, it was my man. bad. My bad, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> right, we should, we should probably get wrapping it up here now that we're to this point yeah. of the conversation. I, I think well, we've luckily, given people their money's worth on this one. <laughs> luckily, we have no iTunes reviews to review, so oh. I feel like Bill has something to say about that, guys. I I have to come back now because I when you said that I walked away because I I I don't know, man. I, I, do we need to get rid of that segment? I mean, are people so busy? I, I know times are hard right now. I know there's a lot going on in the world. And, and that 30 seconds of your life to do something nice for us who put our blood, sweat, and tears into your entertainment every single week for five years might be too much to ask in this day and age. But you know what? I'm not going to do that because I have faith. I think one person out there, one, one person who writes a lot of reviews for us, Ryan or um, John, or a new person. No, and I'm going to say, and a new person is going to take the time out to write a simple five-star review. You say whatever you want. Bill, Tim, Phil, get a job. Or I love these guys so much. Whatever you say, we're going to read it out there. You can say, come join my gym if you own a gym. I don't care. But I have faith. I'm, I'm not giving up just yet, Phil. I'm not. I'm not giving up. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. One of us should. Um... Weekly. Pick me, I give up. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'll, I'll give up. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll have a sip of this glass, glass half full yeah. water here. Um, weekly tip segment. I Put got one. more finish on your projects. Go ahead. What is yours? Um, so I, I, I mentioned that I had taken apart my old twenty-seven inch iMac, and. Uh, how this works is they give you some suction cups. The glass on the old one is actually not sticky taped on. It's on magnets. So when you just pop the glass off and there's these magnets right there. The next step is you have to use a little T10, I think, star screwdriver to get to the screws, which are right next to these super powerful magnets. Mm-hmm. And I had a doozy of a time trying to get these darn screws. I ended up getting some uh, hemostats to kind of hold it while I put them in. But it reminded me of a tip that I used to use, and I'm sure people have done this before, but if you're ever using a socket and you're trying to put a screw back in, take a piece of um, uh, paper towel or toilet paper, whatever, put it over your bolt head, then stick your socket on it, and it will hold that screw in place. You put your extension on or whatever, slide it into that tight-fitting spot, and you can actually, it'll hold the bolt there. And then when you pull the socket back off, that paper towel is stuck to the socket. It doesn't stay on the screw head for some reason. It works every single time. I was just trying to think of some way I could do that with that little T10 and those stupid magnets on that iMac. I've used tape before, but tape was like too thick. You know what I mean? And you have, it wouldn't you because my idea was it would be a friction fit plus the sticky, but like scotch tape. You don't tape, need the sticky. You scotch tape sticky. worked okay, but like anything thicker than scotch and yeah, that's good. Use a paper towel, brawny baby. And in your case, use the paper towel the night before you use for dinner, so you're upcycling it into a socket holderator for your bolt head. You know that we cut our napkins in half, right? I've done. Have I, <laughs> 
I'm hundred percent perforated ones that are already in half, so I, well, I yeah, have the choice. We we buy those paper towels and then we rip that half and half sometimes, and that, so there'll always be like a half <laughs> if you don't need it. You know what I mean? But then the other thing we do is we you know you picture like a regular napkin that you would buy, and it's and if you open it up, it'd be like four squares. You know, um, like if you open it all the way up, we cut those in half and we use just like you know just you don't unfold them, you just cut them. Do you realize that we just gave people a twofer? No, no, because that one's a bridge too far. I'm sorry. No, no. it's a twofer. No. It was a tip no. and then a tip on the tip. No. You're saving money. You're no. saving the planet. You're using less. It's I, We've been doing it for years. And you have, Trees are a, renewable you have a little resource. something to Paper get your, your bolt in your socket. People need work. Sorry. Yeah, people Bridge need work. Too far. Cutting, cutting napkins in half is a good day's work. <laughs> yeah. It's an honest day's wage. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, what grabbed your attention this week? I'm going to go to... Uh, let's go to Tim Sway. Uh, I watched on Netflix yesterday uh, The Secrets of the Saqqara Tomb. I think I'm pronouncing that properly. It's a, about this this tomb in, uh, in Egypt, obviously, like one of the pyramids and one of those dig sites. That was just awesome uh, if you get into that sort of stuff. But just to say, like, they, they uncovered this tomb that was 4,500 years old. And, like, the, the colors still in the ink and stuff. It was just, you know, the way things get dry air and sand and just preserved. And, and there's this whole sort of interesting story that they're sort of piecing together from the, the stuff inside. And then there's all these, like, sidebar stories of these things that they're digging. In this particular area where they're digging, I, it feels like you just, like, kick your toe into the sand and you're going to pull out, like, a 3,000-year-old artifact. It's just incredible. Like, the stuff that they're just digging. <laughs> Obviously, they edit it. Like, they're editing out the 40 hours of digging where they find nothing. But... There was just like hundreds and hundreds of pieces that they pulled out, and, and just to see the preservation of it, and to like, and they had this camera crew there watching. So like, you were seeing it in like, basically real time when someone would find something to be all these diggers, and these are pretty skilled guys. They're like laborers, but they're sometimes for, like for generations are doing this work, and um, and then they would be digging, digging, and then they'd be like, oh, and they get to that point where they have to stop, and they'd be like, oh, wait, we found something, and then the boss man will come in, you know, and they'd be like, whoa, and you know, and pull these things, a piece of wood three thousand years old with a body inside it, you know, just like ink still paint still on it it's like crazy just i, I can't understand wow. it you know so cool i guess that's the that's the positive side of religion right because that's the reason that those things are buried the way they are sure sure uh you know and it's funny too like <laughs> like the, the, the they're talking a little bit about the religion that they believed in and uh and there's like you know there's like the scale of justice and these 42 judges and there's like this like lizard that eats your heart if you're if you're a liar and all this stuff and you kind of like laugh like that's so silly and there's something oh pearly gates gabriel a trumpet like uh, i don't know that's where all that stuff came from christianity took a lot from the ancient egyptians yes yeah yeah it's there's a lot of similarities but it was it's fun it's fun and then there's like this there's like one part of the dig where there's like I, i shouldn't tell you but but it just involves like like dozens and dozens of mummified cats so, that should yeah, get your attention. Cats. Yeah. Casey and I were just talking about how we firmly believe that cats are actually aliens. Oh, yeah. They yeah. came here, they got that's, stuck, and that's why they are such jerks. That's known. Yeah, that's known. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's not such a crazy theory. Yeah. Uh, is someone landing a jet on one of your roofs? Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> okay, just checking. Uh, Bill, what grabbed your attention this week? <clears throat> well, I'm kind of glad that our pod mate blew past the video he put out. He just said, oh, yeah, I'm kind of proud of my guitar. So I'm going to say Tim Sway's Bass 6 video 
Um, I so far beyond thoroughly enjoyed that video. There's no talking. He gives you a glimpse into the build, just some little tidbits of how the build goes, but basically it's Tim rocking out. And I've not just seen Tim rocking out an entire session with his buddy playing drums in the background. And this is old school because they're recording in their non-digital analog studio. And I, I don't know if, uh, a while ago when you said you were doing the bass six and I said, oh, basics, right? And it is, you went back to basics building this bass six and making this video because it's just, dude, it was awesome. It was awesome. The music you played was awesome. Casey and I both, wa I watched it and I went and got Casey, then she watched it and I got to watch it again. It was awesome. If you haven't, if you listen to this podcast and you don't watch Tim Sway's channel, you're an idiot anyway. <laughs> but if you don't, here's a good Straight time up. to break into it because now you're going to actually see him at his absolute best. The creation of art is what I would call this whole experience. Loved it, Tim. Absolutely loved it. No, oh, thanks, man. It was mm. it was a lot of fun, and you know, it was really the formula of the video that I've been doing for years that I, I was just getting kind of tired of because it's always like I'd make a video about making a guitar, and then I would just sort of like half-ass like play it in my shop to make a soundtrack to prove that it works. Not right? this time, pal. And this Not time this I was time. like, this time I was like, let's flip the coins on that a little bit. Let's make it about the music, and uh, and so I like I wrote that little melody, that little part, and I like forced myself to actually practice it for a, for a couple hours to like sort of understand it and learn it. And then I went to my buddy and I just, you know, I, I was like, all right, this is the form. We're going to play this a couple times and then we're just going to go nuts and then we're going to play it a couple times. And he's like, all right, hit tape. Uh, we did one practice take and then we did that. And that was it. No overdubs. And, and it was so much fun. It was like, I mean, I've been playing with that guy since we were 12. So for 35 years, uh, I've been playing with him wow. off and on. So we it, it, know each other. I don't know if you did, but it gave the impression you were just lost in the moment. You were playing that guitar. You were just playing that bass nothing else was around you you were doing all kinds of freaky fun stuff with it you were rocking out and it's just like it's what i envision when i like when i close my eyes i hear a song and i really like i close my eyes so i can just tune everything out and enjoy that that bit of music you gave the visual interpretation of that it was awesome right well they yeah they call it they call it flow you know when like artists or creators are like in that place where they're not necessarily thinking and that's the idea of practice, right? Practice and, and the discipline of getting the chops up is that you can achieve that state of flow. And I'm very rusty as a musician, and, and I wanted to get to that place, but I knew that I, did, I don't really have the, the chops that I used to have to where I have, the, I don't have the vocabulary that I used to have. So what we did instead is we did that noise section um, because I knew that would be a, a way that we could get to that place um, without right. necessarily being rehearsed, you know what I mean? To where we could just sort of have that sort of flow moment. And, and, and then Tom, Infinite Craftsman, one of our podcast sponsors, Tom Bache was there filming, and he did a fantastic job of catching it. Um, like, oh, dude, if, if that's yeah. him, uh, on, yeah, Infinite Craftsman, yeah. thank you. It, it, was, it was just seriously, watch the video. Well, thanks, man. I'm glad you liked it. I, I, hope that, I hope that people do watch it because I'm pretty proud of it. And, uh, and it might be, I mean, hopefully, I'm going to knock on some fake wood here, like that there'll be the, the direction that my channel will go. I think I'm going like, to try, and my goal for next year is to, this year, my goal was to do the long form thing that I did with the truck, you know, which was a lot of fun. Uh, and my goal for next year is to just is to sort of lean into the art a little more and a little less from the, the, you know. Well, just, just be careful who says that it's good because uh, Berkey said he liked it too. I almost didn't watch it just because he did, but I know I, I, I was trying that. to find out, figure out how to delete that. That's probably not yeah. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keep yeah. Berkey out of it. That's all I got to say. Yeah. How about you, Phil? Careful what you wish for. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so uh, I'll give you sort of the, for anybody who's also interested in retro computers as I am, I will give you the easiest way to get into the scene on YouTube. Uh, there's this guy called the 8-Bit Guy. He has 1.2 million subscribers, and he is just a fantastic presenter, and he gives you like, I want to say, like a good overview of this stuff and you know, different systems and a lot of his repair and restoration um, but then there are guys who are like way more into like the nitty-gritty and they'll you know well, this this little trace over here is you know connected to this trace and looks like it was shorted out let's we'll fix that but let's look at this for another 12 minutes so this guy is just, like really polished tells a great story. Um, he used to work at one of the computer companies in Texas back in the day, and he's fantastic. So the 8-bit guy uh, is what uh, is, is what I'm into right now. Awesome. Well, and cool. Uh, so our websites, williamlutz.com, timsway.net, and newperspectivesmusic.com. Contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff. We love hearing from you guys. Info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com or hit us up at Twitter uh, at reclaimedaudio. On iTunes, leave us those reviews, five-star, and we will read it out loud. And patreon.com slash reclaimedaudio, the absolute best way to keep us on for yet another half a decade. Oh. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Half a decade. Half a decade. That's, That's how I like to do things. I like to section off smaller pieces of much larger-sounding time frames. It's a quarter score. Right. It's a quarter score yeah, of podcasts. It's a, it's a yeah. quarter score, yeah. 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 It's, it's like, like instead of three of stone, it's only yeah. 1.5 stone. Be good. Have Bye, a everybody. Week, guys. <laughs>